Welcome to Victory GP. We're excited you've joined us, and we hope you're impacted and inspired by today's message. These truths in Christianity, these truths in the kingdom of God that like have been true in every time frame, in every part of history, in every moment, in every generation, in every way in civilization. And I think sometimes back in the days when it was like, you know, you stole something, they cut your hand off. You know, or eye for an eye. You kill somebody, they'll kill something of yours. Like that, that kind of, back in those days, I think we had a better concept of a debt I owe. We had a better concept of judgment. We had a better concept of what it is that, that actually needs to be paid for. Sometimes I think in our culture, we're like, well, it's just not fair. You don't understand. I know I sinned, but... I needed to because these people did this to me and this happened and therefore I responded this way. We have these like justifications and honestly the fact is sin is sin is sin. Falling short of the glory of God is the same through all of history, all of mankind, ever since sin entered the earth there's been this thing. And so this concept of the atonement is this really incredible gift. And one of the things that's interesting when we celebrate communion together is like it feels like, because especially the wording that Jesus used when he says, you know, do this in remembrance of me. Whenever you do this, remember me. It feels like a finish line. Like it feels like this happened back then and Jesus said it was finished and so this is the finish line and we celebrate the finish line. The, the fact is though, it's actually the beginning. It's the starting point of what's really coming on the other side of this. It's the beginning of a new thing. So literally we're talking about that. This is just the beginning. That's a title today. This is just the beginning. It's just the beginning. What we remember is the starting point. We are standing on the starting line with Christ, and where do we go from here? Where do we go in this? If this is what has happened, if Jesus has paid the price, if freedom is there for us, if the atonement has been paid, what is meant to come out of it? And we've been talking a lot lately about the kingdom. We've been talking about, you know, there is no sacred secular divide, that God is with us in all things, in every part of life. It's like you're married. You're not just married when you're at home. You're married all the time. Maybe somebody needs to hear that today. You are married all the time. If you're married, right? If you are born again, you are God's kid all the time. You are with him all the time. He is with you all the time. So what do we do with that? So let's just break this down a little bit just to give a, again, a bit of history. October 4th this week, so Tuesday, is the Day of Atonement. Yom Kippur, it is the Day of Atonement. It is the holiest day in the Jewish calendar. It's, it's the thing, like, the holiest day because... People would bring sacrifices, you know, and uh, you've done something wrong, you need cleansing, you whatever, you bring sacrifice, there's cleansing for that. But the day of the atonement was the day that the high priest went in and did the sacrifice for all the stuff you didn't even know you did wrong. So it's like this great cleansing because it's like, it's like for, for right now, we got a clean slate. For, for this moment, everything has been paid for. And so it always was followed by feasting and whatever. It's this, this celebration of right now, we're right with God. Can you imagine that, for, that every day after that is this steady descent on the other side of the hill, right? Into like, oh man, here we go again. Like, it was this constant flow. So this is, this is what has happened. It's the following the 10 days of reflection. It's following this, this um, time of engaging with God. Now you've got this clean slate. What do you do with it? We actually have that New Testament. We get that all the time. 
What I find really interesting is we heard, you know, this, um, the definition in the video about atonement, but breaking it down a little bit further, our particular English understanding, it's coming from the Latin word um, adunentum, something like that, which literally means uh, atonement or at-one-ment. So if you like look at the word atonement, even write it out, those who are doing notes, atonement, it says at-one-ment. That's what it means, right? That's, that's the breakdown of the word actually, and it literally means unity or to unite or at-one. This is really cool. Just brace yourselves. You're all like, oh man, here she goes again. So, should chip in for me to take some sort of Greek class or something so I could stop butchering these words. But um, anyway, the, the Greek and the Hebrew, so the Latin comes out of that. Um, the Greek and the Hebrew root means uh, literally to cancel, to restore, to reconcile, or to unite. So cancel Restore, we've got that. Reconcile and unite means something is coming together at one again that wasn't. So when atonement happens, there is at-one-ment, there is unity that is created on the other side of it. And we have to talk about what that unity is about. It is not specifically about us, one and another. It is connecting us with God. So number one, let's just quickly go over the reconciling. This reconciling, this at-one-ment, this unity, this coming together, this, this connection that happens is literally this reconciliation between us and God. So when you read the first few chapters of Genesis and it's like all awesomeness, you know, I mean, I personally think it would be so fun to like name all the animals in the garden and all that. So I, I, I could get lost in a petting zoo for days, but... Um, anyway, they're walking and talking with God. They're exploring things. They're seeing animals and plants. And they're, they're you know, just exploring fullness of life. And there's this, there's this connection with God where everything that Adam and Eve do is coming out of the life that he's given them. Everything that they see around them is life. And there's this connection to life. And Adam walks with God in the cool of the day. Can you imagine in the morning, you know, you get up in the morning, you're like, wow, you know what? I was actually over on the South 40 this past week and I saw this bush. I don't even know what it does. What is that for? You put that there. What is that for? Walking with God and experiencing, you know, what, what is the, the starry heavens about what is the the stuff that you think about what is the stuff that you want what is what is God think what does God have planned for today like Adam and Eve had that encounter with God and then we go through boom the crash of sin the separation that comes on the earth and they're walking around blind and they're waiting like you know when when the law comes in and there's this kind of path made and we see that once a year people gather and celebrate and they feel like ah oh, we can engage God for a day and carry on you know we on this side we take it so for granted but the fact is the atonement has made way for us to be at one with God that we can connect with him that there's no separation like I I know that it's a hard mental thing to grasp, but the heart knows we are desperate for him. We desire him. We need him for our vital existence. Romans 3, 23 to 25 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We heard that already this morning. 
being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Jesus in Christ Jesus whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood now depending on your uh, def or your uh, translation whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood my dad used to love to say that word and just toss it in randomly propitiation just cuz it's fun um, but it literally it means which is helpful because we just saw the video, the atoning victim. The atoning victim. So whom God set forth as the atoning victim by his blood. Meaning that like, I mean, you can graze over a verse like this. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And then God set forth Jesus as the atoning victim to pay for us. Only the interesting thing about Jesus was that he said, nobody takes my life from me. I lay it down. So victim is an interesting word. Jesus laid down his life so that we could experience this. Let's go down to Romans 5, 7 to 10. It says, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more having been reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. So we have been reconciled. We have been made at one. There has been atonement paid. At one has been made so that we can be reconciled to God. Why does this matter? Core, core stuff again. We're going to get into it, but how we live our everyday has everything to do with what we do with that revelation. It, it is why Christianity, why our walk with God is not something we believe. It's not something that we think. It's not a church I joined. It's not a religion that I subscribe to. You know, it is literally, I have stepped into this relationship with God where there is a unity, there is a tie, atonement has been paid, at one moment is possible, so I get to walk with him. I get to talk with him. I get to hear his voice. I get to have things put back the way they should have been in the first place. Things have been made right. So if that's the reconciling, then number two is the relationship. And let's talk about the relationship for a little bit. This is such an interesting thing. It's the foundation of what the Bible actually teaches us. In every part of life, God desires to be present. If you read through the Bible, even if you just read Proverbs and Psalms, you will find out that there is God's intention, God's plan, God's wisdom for marriage, for parenting, for finances, for business, for employers and employees, for farming, for how you treat your animals. There is wisdom and instruction for literally every part of life. It is not just a book filled up with what do you do when you come to church. It is a book of instructions for life because there is a unity that is meant to be there in how we do life. Why does this matter? I believe the great lie of the church has been this separation of church and life. We, we run it and we separate church and politics or church and state. We have boxed up. This is where God belongs and this is the rest of life. I saw a meme the other day that said something like, never listen to a pastor who tells you how to vote or a politician who tells you how to pray. 
And I thought, well, on the surface, that's probably true. But deeper than that, there's no separation. God is involved in every part of life. He wants to be, he cares about what happens with creation. He cares about what happens with his people. He cares about how we do what it is he's assigned us to do. It's part of everything. We are meant to do life with him. And I love that phrase, I use it a lot. Um, To me, to do life with somebody is not just living beside somebody, or we're living at the same time, in the same time frame. To do life with somebody means you let me celebrate with you and you let me get in the trenches with you. And there's lots of times people will say, and we've all probably said, I'm sorry to dump on you. I'm sorry to like, sorry to bring you all my garbage, you know, whatever. I usually feel, maybe, maybe you don't feel the same, but I usually feel, and I will say, thank you for letting me into your pain. Thank you for letting me help carry that. Like, thank you, for, thank you for letting me know what's going on. I feel like that is a privilege that I get to experience because now I get to do life with you. I maybe have had a burden to pray for you or I've maybe just you've been on my mind a lot, but I don't know what it is until you tell me, until you let me in, right? And we've all got people like that. The people that you would say do life with you, they don't just see the shiny pretty you. They see the, you know, I've been in my jammies for three days, you right? It happens. They see the you that is like, I am about to lose it. I don't know if I can take any more, you know, of this pressure. I don't know if I can take any more with this, my kids. I don't know if I can take any more with my spouse. I don't know what I'm going to do with my finances. That you that's at the end of yourself, when you invite people into that, they get to do life with you. The fact, like how many of you, you, you appreciate when somebody lets you do life with them? Okay, most of us. Everybody else is turtling. (laughs) the fact that we appreciate that the fact that we enjoy that is because we are made in God's image and he enjoys that he appreciates when we come and we engage him and we say what needs to be said we say what is on our hearts we let him in he already knows the word tells us that he knows our thoughts are far off he knows before we even say a single word what's going on but he waits for us to let him into that space and so we can come and we can, we can do church. We can fight all the way here. We can fight all the way home. We can sit and just silent treatment each other all afternoon. We can, we can sit and worry about our finances all day. We can, we can have issues all week long and then come and we can put on two hours a happy face. I actually don't believe God wants that. I believe he's inviting us to do life with him. And the sacrifice of praise is a sacrifice and he knows it and he treasures it. So yeah, if we sing with, you know, we're singing the praise songs with the tears running down, he gets it, that is valuable to him. That is a treasure to him. And when we're actually celebrating and we pause to give him glory, we had a situation in our family this uh, last week and it was like, you know, it was such a breakthrough. We're so grateful for what God had done And it was so interesting because within like 10, 15 minutes after it had happened, other stuff happened. So there's like, yay, other stuff. And there's this pull of of the, you know, the circumstances of life to draw you away. God wants us to pause and actually celebrate with him for a moment. It's okay to push the other stuff back for a minute. It's a natural human tendency because of our fallenness. You know, when Jesus healed the 10 lepers and only one came back, Nine of them were like, cool, and off they went. You know, we get to do life again, and they never, they never came back to even say anything. 
Jesus wants us to engage with him in the ups and the downs and the frustrations and the I need wisdom, I don't know what to do. That's, he's invited us to do life with him. This is the way it was intended to be. Just, I'm going to fire a couple quick verses at you. Psalm 34, 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Literally engage him. He's good whether you taste him or not. He's good whether you see it or not. That doesn't change. But the invitation is there relationally. Come taste and see that he's good. Come and engage with him. That, that at one moment has been made for you to come and taste it. Your choice. Jeremiah 29, we always uh, read 11, but 12 and 13 says, Then you will call upon me and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you search me with all of your heart. Totally relational phrase, right? It's not just when you come and you, you know, do whatever pattern and whatever, follow whatever program. and says, It's when you come and you seek him with your whole heart, you find him. It's pursuit, it's craving, it's relationship. Psalm 46:10, be still and know that I am God. Some of us, we actually are so, so busy doing, we are trying to avoid every emotion on the inside because we're uncomfortable with it. So we will do, 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 go, 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 think, 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 talk, 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 talk. And I, you know, have you prayed about it? Yes, I prayed about it. What's God saying about it? I don't know. It's because you didn't stop talking. It's hard to hear when your mouth is moving, you know? So there are times when God invites the relationship, the at-one-ment is I pause and I engage with him. I'm going to be still and know that you are God. I actually happen to be one of those people that I struggle with when I'm in the midst of crisis. I struggle being still. I'm a fixer. Like I, somebody needs to do something. Nobody? Okay, me, I'm going to do something. You know, waiting on you, Lord. I trust you, but until you move, I'm going to do this. Like, we all have our preferred methods of hiding, but basically it is to avoid the relationship and the trust and the invitation to engage him. Psalm 14.2 says, The Lord looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand and seek God. God's like looking, like I actually want relationship. I actually want to connect with you. Is there anybody who wants it also? The intention of God through the atonement was to rebuild, provide, and have relationship. So everything that we've talked about regarding kingdom, assignments, action plans, it all comes back to relationship. We've been talking about this the last couple of weeks. What is it that God wants to do through you in the marketplace? What is it that God wants to do through you in your family? What is it that God wants to do through you in your marriage? What is it that God wants to do through you in your neighborhood? None of those things will happen if we don't start with relationship. If I don't know what he thinks, I don't know what he wants to say, I don't pause for the instructions, I can do stuff for him. And the word tells us that there's going to be people at the last day that stand before God and say, I did all these things in your name. And God's like, I, I never knew you. It's terrifying reality, but we can be busy about the things of God without being connected to God. We can do the stuff of ministry. We can do the stuff of churchy stuff. We can do, we can do the actions that look like faith 
and not have any faith going on on the inside at all. So this invitation, it's kind of a sobering thing, but it's also like crazy awesome because essentially if we're not bearing fruit, it's possible that we're just disconnected a little bit from the vine, that we haven't been working on the relationship as it's meant to be. Romans 8, 11 says, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Old Testament, somebody kill a sheep and sprinkle the blood and let's get the thing done so that we can sort of talk to God. New Testament, the spirit of God lives in me. Like that's, we're the most blessed generation to get to experience. Like we're on this side of the cross and the empty tomb. We're on this side of the coming of the Holy Spirit. We're on this side of relationship where it's not a far up, but it's up close and personal. It means literally when you are in those situations that you have no idea what to do about, the spirit of God in you is experiencing it with you. But we'll wait for the engagement to actually do or say something. See, we have the, the capacity to grieve or quench the Holy Spirit. In other words, to offend him or block him from moving. Or we can say, okay, that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, who fulfilled the fullment of this, this gift of unity that I can have with God, actually lives in me. I'm going to be aware of that. I'm going to be cognizant of that. I'm going to I'm going to act like it's true. I know this is like a, I mean, our minds kind of process this, and, and many of us have heard this a thousand times. When the reality hits your gut, it totally changes how we do life. It totally changes the conversations that we have, the, the interactions that we have with other people, the actions that we take, how we spend our money, how we spend our time. It changes everything when we know I'm literally not alone. I'm not alone. Nobody here, married or not, living away from family, you're not alone if the Spirit of God lives in you. There is somebody who holds the entire universe in his hands, who holds your heart and can walk you through this, can lead you through this. Amen. Hebrews 2, 1 and 3, I'm just going to give you a couple pop chunks in here. It says, therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. Let's just leave that up there for a minute. We must give earnest heed to these things that we have heard. It's talking about salvation. It's talking about the fullness of, of um, the structure within the heavenlies. Hebrews is just a full picture of what happens in this, in this encounter with God. But he says we, we have to be cautious. We have to be aware that we don't neglect the things that we've heard, lest we drift away. Verse 3, it talks about how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? We can drift and we can neglect. It doesn't change that it's done, but it changes how we experience it if we allow ourselves to drift and neglect the gift. If we walk away, if we, if we don't pay attention, if we just, you know, I'm not talking about are you going to go to heaven or not. I'm talking about the relationship that we have access to. We have the ability to neglect it. We have the ability to drift. 
there's um, some truths of the word, like the blood of Jesus never loses its power, that God is never the underdog, that the enemy is once and for all a defeated foe. We're not actually fighting the enemy, we're enforcing Jesus' victory. He's already whooped. We cannot be snatched out of God's hand. John 10, Jesus actually said, nobody can snatch you out of my hand. These are absolute truths. However, the bait of the enemy will come and he will offer distraction. He will offer discouragement. He will offer the clutter of life around you to cause you, even that these things are true, even though the blood of Jesus has paid for you, even though nobody can snatch you out of God's hand, even though the enemy is a defeated foe, even though the blood never loses its power, even though you have this finished hope that is ahead of you, this work that has been done so that you have an anchor beyond the grave, even though greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, even even though these things are true, there is an enemy of your soul who will offer enough distraction and discouragement and bait that the temptation will be there to drift or neglect what Jesus has paid for. It's not intentional. Nobody ever goes like, yes, thank you, Jesus, for salvation. Now, see you when I die. Nobody does that intentionally. It, the words are used, they're, they're the right words. It's drift. It's neglect. It's slide. It's, it's this thing that just happens slowly where we forget, you know what? I don't actually have to be under the spirit of fear. I don't actually have to bow to this intimidation of the enemy. I don't actually have to live with shame. I don't actually have to tolerate these weapons of the enemy that have come against me. I don't have to live under it and go, what's going to happen to me? I know the answer. But if I neglect and I drift, I start to fall into this place of despair. That's not what the atonement has paid for. It's not the freedom. Hebrews 3.13 literally says, exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. And I know, you know, that's specifically talking about the sin that we commit, but I also believe it means this, like we are born into a sin nature, a sin world. There is a sin culture that we are birthed into. And I believe that there's this thing, exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. There's a hardening that is possible when we are engaging, when we've, when we've allowed the drift from so great a salvation. And there's this sin culture around us that wants to harden us. It wants to, it wants to shift something in our hearts so that we actually don't function like we're meant to function. And of course, the whole rest of that passage is talking about engaging the things of sin and partnering with the things of sin. Do you know if that is the constant um, push and pull that goes on while we're in this lifetime, the, the bait is there in any given moment on any given day, either to draw closer to the risen Christ, or to drift towards the hardness of sin. On any given day, we get this choice, and we, we have this thing that we decide on the inside, I'm either staying soft, I'm doing life with God, or 
I'm gonna make it through. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do whatever it takes. I will get to the other side. You know, we have a choice. And that hardness is always possible. The person who knows God the best is also, also susceptible to drifting if we neglect so great a salvation. The bait is there. So the final thing I wanna hit on, and this is where I really felt the Lord was highlighting for us today, is the refreshing. So because we have this relationship available to us, we have the opportunity for the refreshing. And the refreshing is the opposite of a hardened heart. A refreshed person carries life, pours out life, lives life. A refreshed person is in the fullness of joy. The hardening of heart is a pretty easy drift. I would say that most of us have had it recently in some measure. And um, not talking about anybody in particular, just so you know, I've had a lot of conversations recently. And even whether it's been in the last week or two, there's been some hard stuff happened to you or the last few years. But a lot of people have been saying, and I see some of it in my own life at times as well, um, you know, just out of nowhere, out of nowhere, I can just lose my temper on something. Or like, you know, people will just say that. I just feel I, like I don't know where that came from. Or out of nowhere, I just feel so offended. I don't, like I'm not usually offendable, but I feel offended. Or just out of nowhere, I'm just like, I'm grieving and I just feel so sad. And it wasn't even that big of a deal, whatever just happened, but it just came out of nowhere. Just like this thing came and I don't even know what to do with it. And I believe there's been an attempt of the enemy in this last season to actually stiffen up hearts. And we have muscled through, we have done what we need to do to get through. And, and whatever your situation is, whatever, whatever circumstance you face, there's nobody in this room who hasn't bumped into loss at some, in some way in the last few years. There's nobody. But we all interacted with it differently. We're all interacting with it differently. And I, I believe that there's been this bait to, to, to harden up, to toughen up, to do the right thing. I'm, I'm going to get through this. I'm going to get to the other side. But on the inside, we maybe haven't allowed the Lord to do life with us like he wants to. And so we kind of neglect so great a salvation in the sense that we neglect the at-oneness with him. And I, I told somebody the other day, this is a regular practice of mine now because I, I mean, anybody seen the Hulk? I'm like, you don't want to see me if I'm angry. Like that's, that's how I feel. So I, I literally have to keep pretty short accounts with myself. And it's like, I will sit in my garage sometimes. Our poor dog's like on the other side of the door like, She's been gone all day. <laughs> really, need, you know, needs to go. Outside. But I'll sit in my garage because I'm like, I'm not bringing this junk in my house. And so I will sit there and I have to say, like, Lord, I know you heard that conversation, or I know you saw what happened. I know, I know you know what's behind this, and this sucks. Like I'm so, I'm so disappointed, or I'm so hurt, or I'm so, I'm actually terrified right now of what this means, or I'm angry about this, and I just, I just need to give it to you. 
Like, I can't handle this. I need to actually give this to you. And I engage him on it. I, on purpose, picture taking whatever the situation was or, you know, the thing. And like, God, is there something that I could have done differently, should have done differently? Is there, is there some, some way that I need to respond to you? And if there's anything that I need to repent of, I'll repent of it. But... Um, I need to deposit it somewhere. And so I lean heavily on the word when God says that you cast your cares upon him, he cares for you. I literally picture taking the hurt, the pain, the frustration, the anger, the whatever. I picture like packaging it up and I'm like casting it on him. It's yours now. I'm going to trust that you do something with it. <laughs> that person is your person. That, you know, this situation, you're bigger than the situation. This lie of the enemy, you're bigger than this lie. You are truth. You are not fearful. You're not in dismay. I'm choosing to give it to you because you're the only one that actually has the answers. I don't have the answers. And I'm going to release it, and I'm choosing forgiveness, love, releasing, mercy, whatever the thing is that I need to choose instead. And on purpose, I have to put that on before I go into my house. I'm not saying that I have all the answers. I'm just saying if I didn't have that practice by now, I would have lost my mind. So that this thing, this circumstance that the enemy has brought us through, whatever your thing is, divorce, financial stuff, work, health, you know, any of the things that are not God's nature that have come against you, the lies, the accusations, the, the shame, the accusation from the past, the things that try and hold you to who you were instead of who you are, all of that stuff, it actually has to be handled with God. We, we can't just tough it out. And sometimes, I, you know, we've got those mental pictures of the, you know, the backpack of, uh, you know, stones or whatever. Some of us have gotten really good at just like, oh, here's another stone, put it in the backpack. Others don't put it in the backpack. And you don't realize you're like, I'm still going. I got it. I was trusting God with this thing. No, you're not. Carrying the garbage that the enemy has slung at you. And it's time to release it. It's time to drop it. It's time to actually do business with God on some of these things. And I found this video because this, um, we're just going to prepare for this. Um, I found this video about water and earth, and what I felt like the Lord say is that some of us, we even know, we know that the answer for us is found in the presence of God. We know that the peace is found in the presence of God. We know that we're supposed to pray, we're supposed to worship, we're supposed to engage His presence, and we'll do that. And we have had a week, a month, a year, decade. <sighs> Okay, I'm going to be still and know that you are God. I'm going to be still, just, oh my goodness. I don't, it's been, okay. I, oh Lord, I'm just being still with you. I'm trusting you, trusting you. I praise you because you are good. You are a good God and you care about your children. So help me though, if you don't do something soon, I am going to have to, do, oh, so, sorry, sorry, still, I'm being still, I honor you. And we're like, we're doing the thing, right? Where it's like, I know I'm supposed to engage God, but I actually don't have the capacity right now. So can we just run this video and, it is three types of soil. 
same amount of water. Can you all see how the water is moving? The wet grass, it drains it immediately. Normal grass, it's a slow sip. And dry grass, after a heat wave, can't even barely take it in. And looking at this, it brings the question to my heart, like, which soil am I? Where, where am I? Because if I've allowed life to harden me, it's no wonder that I have a hard time feeling him or engaging him in his presence. It's, it's the water's available, the refreshing's available, but I'm having a hard time getting it in. I look across the way and I see somebody who's sobbing on the floor and clearly God's touching them. I showed up to church too. I'm here, I'm singing the songs. You're only ministering to them. Could it be that there may be the wet grass? Let's just run that one more time. I want you to picture it. There is always gonna be somebody who comes into the presence of God and they're like, And there's always gonna be the person that tries. Nothing happens. I believe God is inviting us. You know, when, when that happens, when that level of dry happens, the soil actually has to be tilled a little bit. There has to be some poking of the soil. There has to be a slow trickle and it's like this soak that happens if too much comes on all at once. They actually, this is the conditions for flood conditions and farming soil, it's really bad. It just, the water runs off and actually can cause all kinds of problems. So this past summer, two years ago, Pastor Brad was like, I actually have no idea how much to water those baskets on the front, the summer that was like raging hot. That was last summer, right? And um, I said, well, how much are you watering them? And he said, well, I, I fill it until the water runs out the bottom. And I remember saying to you, I'm like, okay, so what we have to do is we fill it till the water runs out and then we fill it again. Because when the water's, or when the soil's dry, the water just runs over the top, actually. It doesn't actually get to the roots, it just goes right past it, but it prepares the soil for the next filling and the next filling and the next filling. And before you know it, the water comes in. It doesn't take very much. And the flowers bounce right back again. The plants back, bounce right back again. I just believe this morning that there are some in the house that you're feeling dry. You're feeling like your emotions aren't responding like they're supposed to. Like some of the stuff that's going on in your life is creating reactions in you that normally you would have been able to have more under control than this. And God just wants to remind us of his presence. And so tonight, obviously we have pursuit. I would highly recommend that you be there, but we're gonna spend a little bit of time in this. And so just get comfortable with being uncomfortable for a minute. Psalm 63 talks about this and it's this fascinating passage because it's, it's a Psalm of King David. And the headline is written in the wilderness. So in a dry place where he had been falsely accused, 
he'd just been trying to do what God had asked him to do and he ended up on the run for his life. He ended up in the wilderness, struggling, going through the hard stuff. Oh, it would have been so easy to let all kinds of lousy attitudes rise up. It would have been so easy to say, you know what, God, I was just doing what you told me to do. And this is what I get for it. I was standing on your word and this is what I get for it. It would have been so easy for David to get this really bad attitude. I was believing for this outcome and this didn't happen. I was believing for this miracle and it didn't happen. I was believing for justice in this area and it didn't happen. It would have been so easy for the man after God's heart to have decided to just protect his own and go the other direction. There's something about the festival of atonement that I love in that it marks a specific time. Here's the time when we come and we get the decks cleared. I believe that what we are headed into requires a body of Christ that feels and flows and moves with him, that can engage his heart that can hear his instructions, that can speak his word. And we've been led into the wilderness for a season. And what we do there will determine what happens on the other side. So here's what King David said. Oh God, you are my God and early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you and my flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches because you have been my help. Therefore, in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. It goes on from there, but those first verses give us a picture into the decision that was made. St. Augustine said, you should not begin to pray for all you want until you realize that in God, you have all you need. You should not begin to pray for all you want until you realize that in God, you have all you need. And this is what King David was saying. He's in the wilderness. He's been accused. Stuff has gone wrong. I won't ask anybody to put their hands up, but if stuff has gone wrong, it's it's most of us in this room at some point or another. It didn't go the way we wanted it to go. Oh God, you are my God, and early I will seek you. 
That's his first instruction. I will seek you. I don't seek revenge. I don't seek answers. I seek you. Anger, all around me there is power tripping. All around me there is all the stuff that I can feel coming against me. I'm seeking you because I'm in a dry and thirsty land. I got to recognize that that's the case. I got to recognize that this, this place where I am, this stuff that I'm facing, everything around me is bearing the marks of the enemy. So I'm seeking for you. I thirst for you and my flesh longs for you. I looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Obviously, David was not anywhere close to an, a physical structure. He means the presence of God, the sanctuary of God. See, this is what the atonement buys for us. This is what this access buys for us. The word tells us we come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain mercy and help in our times of trouble. We come before him with a heart wide open we don't wait for church Sunday morning. King David was saying, I come and I look for you in the sanctuary. I come into your presence and I'm not looking at all this junk out here. It is dry and thirsty and weary. There is a desert around me. There is a wilderness around me. So I recognize that I'm actually desperate for you. In the midst of all of this, I come after you. Verse three, because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you. Not just whine, complain, but my lips will praise you because your loving kindness is better than life. <laughs> How you doing? My life sucks. His loving kindness is better than life than life I could look King, King David's like got people after his life he couldn't go home he couldn't be with anybody who, who was his normal security net safety net he runs into the presence of God he says hmm, your loving kindness is better than life so I'm gonna praise you I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. I will lift up my hands in your name. Some of us have been walking around with a perma fist. I'm so tense all the time. I'm so upset all the time. I'm so hurt all the time. I will lift up my hands in your name i will surrender to you i will release to you i will worship you i will honor you you know you can tell when you come in and you're you're wanting to engage in worship and you just man i don't feel like i don't feel like putting my hands up today oh, that's when you most need to I'm telling you what that is when you most need to 
Sometimes we look around and we're like, well, that person obviously feels like dancing or they know they need to. That person obviously is feeling very joyful today or they are choosing it. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness and my mouth with will praise you with joyful lips. In other words, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sing like this is the best of days, like there is abundance in my life. I'm gonna praise you like this is the best day I've ever had, satisfied and full and rich. When I remember you on my bed, Anybody notice that the mind just takes off when you lay down to sleep? You could be good all day and you lay down to bed and all of a sudden the worry and the stress and the fear and the upset. What do you do with that? You take every thought captive and bring it to obedience to the knowledge of Christ and you remember Him. He says, I will meditate on you in the night watches. Mull it over. Think about his goodness. Consider his faithfulness. Concentrate on his vastness, his magnificence. You think on these things, meditate on them. And then it says, because you have been my help, therefore in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. I will rejoice. What do I do when the soil is hard? And it's, it's hard to receive. It's hard to be in this relationship. It's hard to engage. I will seek you. I will look for you. I will praise you. I will bless you. I will lift up my hands to you. I will remember you. I will meditate on you. I will rejoice. Again, I will seek you. I will look for you. I will praise you. I will bless you. I will lift up my hands. I will remember you. I will meditate on you. And I will rejoice. I want you to say it with me. This is what our response is. In this dry and thirsty land, in this wilderness, because of the gift of the atonement, because of so great a salvation, because of the gift of life, because greater is he on, on the inside of me than he that is in the world, because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me and quickens my body. Because it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me dry and thirsty land, in the wilderness, in the hard stuff, through the pain, after the accusations, beyond the disappointment. I will seek you. Let's say it together. I will seek you. I will look for you. I will praise you.
bless you. I will lift up my hands. I will remember you. I will meditate on you. I will rejoice. Let's stand together. I will seek you. I will look for you. I will praise you. I will bless you. I will lift up my hands. I will remember you. I will meditate on you. I will rejoice. Say it again. I will seek you. I will look for you. I will praise you. I will bless you. I will lift up my hands. I will remember you. I will meditate on you. listening to this message from Victory Church Grand Prairie. You can stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by using at VictoryChurchGP. If you have any questions, would like to access our online resources, or would like to sow into this ministry, you can visit us at www.VictoryGP.com. You can also text to give. Just text 587-207-4387 and follow the prompting. Thanks again for joining us at Victory GP. Reach, teach, mobilize.